This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here today with Bianca D'Alessio. Bianca, so glad to have you on. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Absolutely. So why don't you start out by telling our listeners who you are and where you're from? Awesome. So I am a New York City licensed real estate uh, broker, and I'm also uh, on the new hit show, Selling the Hamptons on Discovery Plus. So if you don't have a subscription, you have to get one immediately. My t- I run a team in New York of almost 30 real estate brokers. We are the top producing team at Nest Seekers International, and I oversee the company's entire development portfolio internationally. So I have my hands full, but it's really exciting. Wow. And many accomplishments in the real estate industry. Very, very uh, excited to talk about that today and everything that you're doing today. My first question, though, is what got you into the real estate industry? What started the journey? Totally. So I grew up uh, around development. My family was in real estate development. And I was always really excited about watching a house be built and the construction process. As I got older, I thought I wanted to distance myself from that a little bit. I spent a lot of time traveling, working in the non-for-profit space, and doing leadership development with women across the United States. Mm. But eventually, I came back to real estate, and it has been quite a wild ride. Every year, I feel like my business changes dramatically, so it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. And I think it's common to kind of venture out from what would be called the family business and then come back to it. Right. And uh, I'm happy to hear that you did end up circling back around. And then, of course, you've seen tremendous success in the real estate industry uh, today. So good choice. Um, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, like throughout that journey, what was the single most important action that you took on a daily basis that attributed most to your success? The single most important action for me every single day is showing up with a really positive attitude and mindset. Um, I commit to myself every morning, just like telling myself it's going to be a great day. It doesn't matter if the world is burning around me. Just having that attitude and showing up to every meeting, being in front of a client with that mindset has been huge. This industry has so many highs. It also has so many lows. And I just feel like that's helped kind of level me out a little bit and always looking towards it's going to be better and it can be bigger and your dreams could far exceed your expectations. Yeah, that makes sense. Positive attitude, super important. And I'm curious, like, how do you get yourself into that, that positive attitude? Do you have any, any tips or tricks? Totally. I, th- I honestly think that started from a really young age. I've had to overcome a lot of adversity in my life. Um, and it's led to some pretty dark days, but seeing a really bright 
outlook and outcome on the other side. And I think a lot of that I've attributed to the power of my brain and that um, manifestation and that you can you could will positivity into your life. And uh, if you put out this energy into the universe, it will come back tenfold. Uh, so I think that this is something that's been part of my mindset for a really, really long time now. Uh, and it's definitely hard at times to keep that at the forefront, but I think it's, it's a constant practice and it's a lot of talking to myself. I talk to myself a lot. So <laughs> I think that's key. And I encourage other people to talk to themselves in the mirror when they wake up in the morning. There you go. Just Put it out there, talk to yourself, tell yourself how much you love you yeah. and how awesome the day own, is going to be. Your, your own right? hype woman. You got to be your cheerleader. And that's what I am for myself all the time. That's right. I love that. That's awesome. So I, I would love to now just shift over to the real estate side and talk about, you know, where you, where you and your team are at today as far as like transaction volume. And that'll then help me to ask some follow-up questions that would help my listeners. Totally. So in 2021, we closed 387 transactions, uh, which was a dollar amount of $327 million. We're based uh, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Hamptons. We do some business down in Florida, out west in Miami, and now we're actually expanding internationally. We're opening an office in Milan, which is really exciting. And so we're on track. I mean, my goal for this year is to do 800 million. So I've doubled my, my dollar volume every single year I've been in the industry. And this year with the show coming out, I'm feeling like I have to set the bar even higher. So <laughs> that's amazing. So three, so you averaged nearly a $1 million average price point. Yes. And, and so I'm curious, you know, for, for a team that might be doing, high transaction volume, like they're doing 300 transactions, but they're at like a hundred million or for more of a luxury team that they have, you know, like a $2 million average, but their overall volume is lower because they do much less transactions. Like what advice would you give mm -hmm. to e either, either of those brokers to level up and really just get to, to the point where they have both that high average transaction as well as the volume of transactions? I think, you know, I have this conversation all the time. I'm like, I think I could probably work a lot easier if I just did like a few five and $10 million deals a year, but that wouldn't be fun because I love the hustle. <laughs> um, and so it's a, it's a really uh, nice mix of both, which I think uh, has been awesome for my business and for my team. But I think it depends really what industry and what sector of the market you want to be in and where you want to focus and how you want to grow. A lot of my business is new development is new development based. So I'm selling, I'm designing, building ground up construction condo projects uh, in the city and then selling them. So of course your your range and the spread of price points uh, varies. But I love that I get to be involved in all of those deals because I learn so much for each one of them. And I think it's really just identifying what market do you want to be in and how do you want to set yourself up to be really successful in that marketplace. I am able to manage that many deals and pay attention to all the negotiations and the nuances of the transaction, uh, but that's not for everyone. Um, and there's definitely brokers who just rather focus on the luxury and doing less volume, higher price points. And not everyone across the world gets to be in the million dollar, $2 million price point on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so I think it's just understanding your market and running with that and owning it. Yeah, good point. And like you said, if 
you don't really love the hustle of the transaction volume or you don't have like a team leader on your team that can really spearhead that for the team and you're in this luxury market, then maybe the focus really is just doing more luxury transactions, right? You don't have to also have this arm of your business that's more close to the median house price as well as luxury. It's like a lot of different things to do, right? So yeah, that, that's a really good point of, of some things to potentially just acknowledge and then ignore and accept like, okay, cool. This is the parameter that I'm working within. Now, how do I maximize that? I feel like yeah. there's a lot of FOMO. I've heard of luxury agents saying, man, I might just start selling median house price homes in my market because like the luxury stuff is so few and far between. And, and I've heard luxury agents say that. And I've heard so many median house price agents say, gosh, I wish I could, I could sell one or two big deals a year. Right. So there's like that FOMO on both sides. 100%. And I feel like yeah. when you pin yourself into a certain market, you don't open yourself up for opportunity. When I first started, my first team I was on, all they did was luxury. It was 5 million plus in Manhattan in 2017. And the market turned and it was taking 600 days to sell an apartment that was priced over $5 million. Like that to me was driving me nuts. I was sitting on the market forever. And I said, you know what? I need to pivot my business. Let's move to Brooklyn. Let's focus on million dollar transactions and let's see where that takes me, where the market was really strong. And now it's bouncing back and expanding to $20 million homes in the Hamptons. So it's not pinpointing yourself. It's becoming the expert in what you're doing, owning it, but also not being afraid to cross lines when you need to and when the market's shifting. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious about your percentage of sphere and you know, like existing referral business as opposed to new business that you might generate from some kind of advertising effort. Do you kind of know that percentage split? I would say probably 20% of my business comes from referrals. Um, okay. Yeah, I would say that's, I spend a lot of time prospecting for new business. I think, <laughs> I think the percentage may, may vary a little bit, but I'm very heavy in prospecting right now. So uh, I would say- I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, uh, so I'm curious then, you know, what is like the number one most profitable prospecting or lead generation source that uh, you have other than referrals, of course? Picking up the phone and making calls <laughs> is the most profitable and the most effective. Um, I would say behind that, though, social media has been huge for my business, especially in the past year. Totally. And it's been totally different prior to that, but I would say I'm seeing so much more from social media because your reach is so much bigger and it's louder and it's constant and it's daily, but it's not enough. You know, you have to look at, you know, mass marketing versus target marketing and picking up the phone and really being assertive and indicating and showcasing your knowledge has been uh, the most, the most successful. Hmm. Very interesting. And when you say social media, I want to focus on that because the phone, of course, you know, if you're putting the hours in, you're putting the calls in, the results will come and no one's going to argue that because it's just the truth. But on the social media side, I'm curious if you are referring to more organic, like you having this really solid content strategy, posting all the time, or is it more so ads where you are running ads and consistently generating leads or both? I would say the ads help tremendously with followers and likes, but actual business is consistency and a strategy and staying in front of my current sphere of influence 
and showcasing my knowledge and hitting them at the right time. You know, what I'm doing on my LinkedIn is very different from what I'm doing on my Instagram, from my Facebook and through email marketing. And so how am I changing that strategy throughout to be consistent across every platform, but to be curating the right content for that audience at the right point in time? Got it. Got it. So really, it's the content strategy on these different platforms that is doing the heavy lifting. And then you are using advertising to increase the amount of people that that content strategy is reaching on a daily basis. Is that right? Okay, cool. Well, yeah, I, I would love to just break down a little bit further if you're okay with uh, on your content strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, so I, I mean, go oh for no, it. Ask yeah. away. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I have heard the strategy and used it as well in, in my agency of like having a category per day. Mm-hmm. And you might not necessarily project this to the world, but you might say, okay, I'm going to do testimonials on Tuesdays. I'm going to do mindset on Mondays. I'm going to do, right? And you would like have these boxes so that then you can create content and put them in those boxes. So I'm curious if you have some kind of method that it makes it a lot easier to be consistent with content because that's the hardest thing for real estate professionals is just to be consistent with it, right? Yep. So I would say, gosh, I wish I was that organized with it, with where I actually thought about what are my, the photos I feel like are easy. It's the captions that take me forever, but I try to think about how am I incorporating my market knowledge? So big picture market knowledge in tandem with inspirational quotes about just leadership and growth with success that the team is doing, and then also incorporating the real estate posts of what's new to market, what's selling, what are our team numbers. And that's how I think about my Instagram when I think about the content I'm putting out on LinkedIn, which has had a huge return on investment because now I'm, I'm, I spend a lot of time following the people that I want to be following and the companies that I want to be that I should be targeting and that are, you know, coming to New York, uh, changing office space, um, having a much more professional focus. What's the thought leadership that I'm putting out through LinkedIn? So what news articles am I sharing and how am I responding to those? How am I actually adding value? It's much more than just sharing a post without saying anything. It's what is my spin on it and how am I engaging an audience? And that's my LinkedIn strategy. And then also, working really hard to incorporate new um, video content because the photos only get you so far. People really want to see videos. <laughs> and so uh, spending a lot of time trying to figure out these damn algorithms on TikTok and Instagram, uh, what time I should be posting and what content I should be posting. And where it all boils down to is as much as things are trending, um, I'm not as great with staying ahead of the trend, but what I am really good at is speaking like this and talking about my passion and how much I love what I do uh, and cutting that up into short form clips and figuring out how do I incorporate that to tie in the rest of my messaging uh, and how do I engage people that way. Nice. I really like that strategy on LinkedIn and as, as well as the other strategies too, but the LinkedIn one where you're not only sharing and you're also not only just regurgitating things from other platforms, right? But you're actually looking at a news article or something from someone that you are following for a reason, like you actually want to follow them. And then you share it to your following and comment on it. I think that's, that's really smart. And it's an easy way to repurpose something in a meaningful way, yes. right? That adds value. Totally. Um, 
And then I uh, wanted to comment on the Instagram and TikTok and all the other types of things that you're doing on video. I'm curious, do you have help with the comments and like the tagging and like, you know, optimizing the posts so that they're as searchable as possible? Do you have some kind of like assistant or help with that? So I just actually hired someone. So this is still new, but in the last 30, that was my 2022 goal. I did bring on a social media manager and engagement specialist to be interacting with people because it, it's a lot, it's a lot. <laughs> and managing these algorithms that are changing so much and responding to comments and engaging can be a whole other full-time job. So I keep my messages for myself where I can, you know, be more personal with people, but in terms of, of liking and sharing and hashtagging and hitting the right times of day, getting some help from the experts with that has been very valuable. Yes, absolutely. It definitely helps a lot. It's funny because if you are able to get a social media account off the ground and kind of into the stratosphere of like 20,000 followers ish range, now all of a sudden you have a new job and that's to like manage all of the traffic that is now being generated. So I have experienced that many times and I'm glad to hear you at that level where like now you can still create the content, but have help and delegate the management and responding to the following and, and extracting, you know, the, the value from the comments, commenting back, all that stuff matters for the algorithm. So really good to hear. So I'm curious how you leverage, you know, digital marketing or other types of marketing to gain exposure for your listings and then also generate new leads. Yeah. So I think this, that's probably one thing. A lot of people will say this, but this is at the forefront of what I do. Marketing is everything. And I spend more money on marketing than I spend on anything else. And that's far beyond, you know, the pretty picture that you're going to take and put up. But how are you actually getting that out there? What does SEO and, and SEM look like for each of my listings, for each of my projects? How are we canvassing neighborhoods? And how are we hitting everyone at, at every single turn? So for all of my listings, and it's a little bit different with an individual listing, but from with a building, my buildings have allowed me a lot of flexibility and a lot of opportunity to be really creative with getting projects on, you know, bus stations, wrapping park benches, sending out town, putting townhouse door hangers around, you know, the Upper West Side, the Upper East Side but really getting out there. And then at the same time on the back end, having an entire technology team that's, you know, making sure that all of my posts are optimized, my listings are optimized, I'm hitting search terms and phrases and making that a whole other full-time top job on the technology side. And so really being strategic with also who is the buyer for each of my each of my listings, every single product, and how do we target for them and set up the listing to capture that person? And so I would say marketing strategy is, is the full-time job behind being a real estate broker. <laughs> it's so important. And that's why I've been able to grow an agency specifically for this. I mean, five years ago, I saw that there was a gap in the real estate industry where there were all these professional real estate brokers with 10, 15, 20 years experience in the industry but they really struggled with all the digital stuff, the marketing yeah. strategy, having a brand that's clear, concise, and not that only you understand, but that your following could actually communicate to you in the same way that you had thought of it. Like that's definitive branding and something that's very clear. 
and having you know all the strategies online of content and paid advertising and SEO and all the things that you mentioned, it's a lot, right? A lot. It's, and you have to still do as much as you want to be like new age and cutting edge and do all the, the tech stuff. You also still have to do the old school stuff too, because right. you know, from the one postcard that you send out, you know, after 7,000 of them that calls you for a $10 million listing, you're like, wow, I'm really good. I, I'm really happy I hit that co-op on the Upper East Side and sent them out. So it's it's not letting any, it's keeping every ball up in the air. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm a professional juggler. I have a hundred balls up in the air at any time and some of them are going to fall and they're going to splatter on the floor. But you know what? If I could keep 90% of them going, I'm doing a really good job. And so you got to be working from all fronts. Yep, it's so true. The new stuff is effective if done right. And it's amazing, but you still have to be doing the fundamentals on a daily basis of, of real estate that have been around for decades. Yeah. So that's the difficult part is that really over the last 10 years, we've just added to the, like the, the, to what a fully functioning real estate team looks like. And then the tasks it takes to get that done on a daily basis over the last 10 years with the introduction of technology being a heavy part of it, we've taken away and automated some things, but for the most part, like probably 80, 90%. We've just added on top of all of the daily tasks that <laughs> need to be Absolutely. done, right? The list just so, keeps getting longer and longer. <laughs> it gets longer and longer. And hence the reason why you need to get to a point where you can afford to outsource it to a company that does that so you can focus on what you do best, what's the highest income producing activity for you. Exactly. Where do you think the industry is heading? What are your like uh, five, 10 year projections? <laughs> um, that is such a big question. I know, uh, I know that so loaded. <laughs> I know everyone's trying to get rid of the real estate broker, but you know what? I'm here to stay. <laughs> Listen, I think there's going to be a lot more automated processes in real estate, but I think, you know, when I focus on my business and where do I see it, so much of what I do is in the development world. And where do I think the development world is going? I think, especially after a market that we've seen the last two years across the country, being strategic is going to be more important now than ever before in the design and the build and in the branding and creative assets you're putting together for a project and for these buildings across the United States. Mm. You, know, you can't ride the wave of such a strong market where you don't, you don't even need to take listing photos. You put an open house online and you have 30 people there if it's priced right and you have a bidding war because people want to be in the suburbs. Like That's going to eventually slow down. So it's now how do you bring people back to the cities and help them, which listen, New York has been rebounding for a really long time, but how do you take it to the next level? How do you get very strategic with your pricing, with your show experience to continue to, to emphasize the importance of the agent and the personalization that comes with buying real estate because it is a very big deal and it should be personal. I think that's going to be where there's going to be more opportunity and you know excitement in the market for the next five to 10 years. Hmm. Interesting. So you see an importance in branding, messaging, and positioning yeah. as, the, as the market may cool down and uh, you know, totally. some of this like underbuilding from the last 10 years, we start to hopefully catch up on and there is more supply. It's like, okay, 
those days where, like you said, you put a couple photos up with no virtual tour, no floor plan, like none of the other things that you could have done. And there's still 30 people at the open house and bidding on the, you know, there's like 10 offers over asking, like those yeah. days aren't going to last forever. So no, they're not. There's, there yeah. are going to be the days where people realize like, oh, if I price something at 705,000 instead of 700,000, I've now just missed out on a huge search bracket price for the majority of the market because Zillow goes up to 700,000 and then the next mm -hmm. bracket's 800. And I don't think in this market, you have to think about that. But I do think when you think on a larger scale of selling bigger projects of the market getting tighter, it's how do we make sure that we're, we're pricing and marketing for the market that we're in and being really strategic and creative as we do it. Yeah, great point. So what do you do for your clients that nobody else in the industry does that you know of? I don't know about nobody else in the industry, but I'll speak to 90% of the industry. I would say when my clients work with me, they know that I'm on full time. You know, I, I can't, I mean, you know this all the time. People want to get into real estate because you make your own hours and it's a flexible work schedule and you can make a ton of money without having to work a lot. That's not the reality. <laughs> yeah. The amount of calls I hate to break it to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> that like, I think my clients know that they could call me at five o'clock in the morning and I answer the phone and they could be crying at midnight because someone's mortgage contingency fell through and I will answer the phone. And if they need me because they're not home and they're out East for the weekend to come by and clean up their apartment for the open house, like I will do that. It's never getting, doesn't matter how big I get in this industry. Um, like some days I'm going to be the housekeeper and other days I'm going to be the CEO and it doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the job done and to deliver a level of service and excellence that's unmatched by 90% of brokers in the industry. Wow. Yeah. That commitment to excellence when it comes to taking care of your clients is definitely something that will set you apart. And mm -hmm. in any industry, taking care of the customer, the client, it, you know, the best companies do that, right? Think of a company like, uh, like Nordstrom's, for example. I mean, you could bring something in like three years later that's totally trashed and they'll just give you 100% of your money back. And, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right? Like it, that level of just commitment service. to it's, taking, it's, yeah, service, yeah. It's it, a white glove service at any single price point across the board uh, and being associated with that, I think it's what allows my clients to say, I could buy my starter home with you and then I'm going to trade up next year. And then I'm going to buy my vacation home with you in a different city because I want to work with you because I know what you provide for me and I'll go mm -hmm. anywhere that you'll sell me real estate. And that's pretty powerful. That is powerful. So it's easy to look from the outside in and see your success and kind of be disconnected from that if someone hasn't, you know, gotten to the level that you are today. But I'm curious if you have, you know, like a failure or an apparent failure that set you up for later success, you know, something that, do you have like a favorite failure of yours? Yeah, I have a lot of failures. <laughs> um, I think as I've been continuing to grow, it's been very, very hard to manage a personal life, manage my family. My family is incredibly important to me, but 
it's hard to be on for everyone all of the time. And I think that's something that I'm still trying to figure out is how do you manage having a relationship and being everyone to everyone in your personal life, as well as your professional life. What that has taught me, I'm still working through. I'm trying to set up boundaries and balance. Um, I'll let you know, we could do a part two of this when I figure out how that actually works. But yeah, there's tons, there's tons of failures. There's been, unfortunately, relationships that have suffered. And, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, you have to do what makes you happy. And, you know, waking up every day and selling real estate and growing a team and growing a brand and being able to work alongside really motivated people is what makes me really happy. So. Awesome. Love to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So. What bad recommendations do you hear given to real estate professionals? Is there anything that you hear and you're just like, oh man, cringeworthy, right? Is there anything like if you had a billboard no, and you, you could speak to all real estate professionals everywhere? I can't pinpoint like a specific phrase, but what I uh-huh. will say is coming into the industry with an attitude of entitlement is the best way to set you up for failure. Uh, because the world owes you nothing and your clients owe you nothing. And if you don't show up every single day and prove yourself, you're not going to make it. What I will say in the beginning, what made me as successful as I am today is I worked almost for a year. I want to call it 18 months, pretty much for free, seven days a week, just studied and learned everything that I could, the way to speak to people, how to build your confidence, how to own and command a room. And I would say that was the most important thing. There's a really big ramp up period to becoming a real estate broker and to being successful. It takes time. You will get knocked down more times than you stand up. But if you put in the work and if you commit to yourself, you will absolutely get there. Mm, Such a good point. You know, there is such a ramp up. Yeah, absolutely. Such uh, a ramp such, up. <laughs> such a ramp up in the real estate industry. And to your point, most think that, you know, the, you look from the outside looking in, oh, wow, these people drive nice cars. They get to set their own hours. I want to go sell some real estate. And there's a reason why most agents, they finish the first year and they never want to go back because it's it's a difficult first year for, for almost everyone, right? Unless you have some other type of, experience that you were already kind of in the industry and then you shifted. Um, it's, it's very difficult. So I'm curious if you have any like quotes you think of often or live by that, that helped you get through that, that difficult time. I don't have a quote that I could think of that someone else said, but I like to say this a lot. <laughs> so I'll quote myself. Yeah. Um, real estate to me, it's like surfing. And I think about it when you're riding a wave. You know, it takes you, and I don't know if you surf. I do. I don't well at all. So, you know, you're pedaling and you're trying to catch the surf, right? And you're working really hard. The water's hitting you in the face. Your arms are getting exhausted. But eventually you try the first time and you fall down. Eventually you get up and you ride that wave and you don't know how long you're going to be riding the wave for. And a lot of people, when they ride the wave as a real estate broker, they throw their hands up and they say, I'm free now. I made it. It's done. And I tell everyone, when you're on that wave, you double down because that momentum will build and build and build. You'll go faster. You'll grow bigger and things will continue to get more and more exciting. You have no idea when it's going to crash. 
that crash could look like anything at any time. You have no idea when it's going to happen. So ride the wave as long and as hard as you can, because mm. when it crashes, you're going to fall down and you're going to have to figure it all back up again, step reposition and stand up. So yeah, that's, that's what I live by. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I think that that outlook creates urgency and yes. you don't, you don't take your success for granted. It's like, Oh, okay, cool. Like we close this deal biggest yep. deal ever biggest year ever like we got to keep going guys we got like just it keeps your eye on the ball right and oh. i think that's a that's a good outlook thank you yeah for sure so what's your process for evaluating what to say no to it's so easy to say yes to everything we're always invited to things even this right now like this podcast technically is a non-income producing activity but you said yes to it and so i'm curious like what's your process for looking at things and saying eh, you know what i'm gonna pass yeah I thought, uh, and I will tell anyone this in the beginning, say yes to everything. That's what you in the beginning. In the beginning, okay. say yes to everything because you know what? It's, it is in the beginning when you're scared and you're nervous, it's easy to say no. No actually mm. becomes the crutch, right? So right. in the beginning, like I remember the first time I was interviewed for the New York Times and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to say. Do I? I'm like, of course I'm going to say yes and I'm going to figure it out later. The biggest project, say yes, figure it out later. But then you get to a point where you're like, wow, that was a lot of yeses. <laughs> Let's figure it out a little bit. And I think that for me, I look at every six, I try to reevaluate every six months. What are my goals? Am I hitting them? And do I need to reconfigure what I'm doing, whether it be socially, professionally, prospecting wise? And sometimes if I'm not going to have fun doing something, I say no. Hmm. If it's a client that I know is going to bring me more headache than positivity on the other side, I say no. I'm fortunate at this point in time where I get to be selective with the clients that I work with. And I want to work with people who will be repeat business and who will refer me to other people. And so I get to say no to clients when I know that it may not be the right partnership. I get to say no to listings when I know that they're priced incorrectly because I just don't have time to waste on homes that won't sell because they're mispriced. And then opportunity-wise, I think it needs to be fun, enjoyable, and mutually beneficial. I mean, to me, I work my creative brain a lot of the times, but most of my conversation is, is like numbers and analytics. So it's really fun when I get to talk about real estate technology or in a different light or the show, you know, outside of talking about what it's like actually filming, you know, what it meant going through the process or what it looks like now or what I hope for the future. So I think I have to take a step back sometimes and think about what the opportunity is, how it's going to benefit me, what the result's going to be for the person on the other side and make sure that I could show up and be my best. And that's when I say yes. And that's how I decide when to say no. Hmm. Interesting. Something you said in the, in the middle there was that you review your goals every six months mm -hmm. and see if you need to adjust. Yep. I think that's a really good tactic to make sure that you're staying on track because it's pretty easy to set your goals at the beginning of the year and then not look at them until next year. Totally. Yeah, no, June is like, right now I'm like, oh my gosh, June's around the corner. It's my mid-year check-in. <laughs> but I think, you know, every, you know, looking month by month, but like having like a very serious moment, like every six months of Am I spending my time properly? Am I spending my money properly? And am I thinking about this wisely is, is very important to setting up the back half of your year. 
I like that a lot. That's awesome. Is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier? Oh, this is so much fun. I think this is great. You know, I think when we talk about, you know, people getting set up for success, I think, and joining a team, I get that a lot too. And I think that's really important. Uh, I have so many people who want to come join my team because it's raw, raw, raw and fun and exciting, but it's also a lot of hard work and the expectation and the bar is very, very high. So when people ask me, how do you break into the industry? Should I start by myself? Should I start on a team? Uh, you have to find the right fit. You have to interview companies. Like the company needs to be a fit for you to make sure that you're going to get the tools and the resources that you need to be successful. The same way, whoever you partner with, that will make or break your career. And I think that is, is crucial getting set up and getting started. And as you move through the real estate industry. Mm, good advice. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. So how can listeners contact you? Follow me on Instagram. I am just far too active at Bianca D'Alessio. Watch me on Selling the Hamptons. Subscribe to Discovery Plus. Hopefully season two will be coming out. Fingers crossed. Uh, but season one was awesome. Two more episodes uh, as of today. Nestseekers.com. If you want to buy, sell, list with me, call me. So, so many ways. You'll find me. Awesome. And I will link to all those below. Bianca D'Alessio, really appreciate having you on. You're an amazing real estate broker in New York and you are just killing the game. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. This was so much fun. Have a great day and hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.